Okay, let's get started with Parsha's bow, Tavshin Ayin Tes, as we get into Yitzias Mitzrayim. Again, these are, every Parsha is exciting, but now we really get into Yitzias Mitzrayim, and then Kriyas Yamsuf, then Maimed Har Sinai, meaning these are three of the Parshios that define every day of our lives. So here is Yitzias Mitzrayim, Kriyas Yamsuf, and Maimed Har Sinai, as we will, as we'll talk about. Uh, so we'll start off with the beginning of the Parsha. The Yomar Shema Moshe, Hashem says to Moshe, Bo Alparo, Bo, not Lech. We've discussed that. Ki eniach badi as libo of as leif avadav. I've hardened his heart, the heart of his servants. Laman shisi oso say ele bekirbo. So the question that many mafarshim deal with, the Rambam already deals with this in Hilchas Tshuva, and that is, how is it possible that Hashem hardened Paro's heart? Where's the bechir chavshis? Where's the free choice? Uh, the Rama discusses that again in Hilchas Tshuva. I think we uh, referred to it uh, recently. And the Rama gives his answer and uh, other answers given by the other Mepharshim. But just one other answer given by Rav Zevin in source number one by, in Latar of What exactly does it mean, Ani hechbadati as libo? Hashem says to Moshe, go, because I hardened his heart. So again, it might not be the pshuto shel mikra in the psukim, but it's definitely a pshuto shel pshat of the idea. But this is what Rav Zevin says. Hamidos shel ha'adam, and again, it's a, it's a thought that we all know, but he relates to it here. Hamidos shel ha'adam, kishehem la'atzman, enam lo tovos behechlet, velo roos behechlet. The midos and the attributes that each of us have are not inherently evil or inherently righteous. Our makeup that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us, and each person has their own personality and their own type blank personality, so we each have that. Stop Good or bad. It's not positive or negative. It's, it's us. The question is, what do we do with him? We are something. The question is, what do we do with it? What do we do with, with what HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us? So, you know, often we look around and think that, you know, it's easier to have his personality or her personality. It's easier if I would have somebody else's. You know, mine's very challenging. You know, if I wasn't this, this, uh, you know, type A, if I wasn't this uptight, if I wasn't this um, anxious, it would be easier. So we look to our friends. Why can't I be more laid back? Why? But then they look and they say, you know, I wish I could be more energetic. and more. Everybody's, we're all looking at each other. But says Rav Zevin, we have to just look at ourselves. Each one of us have certain midos about us. And those midos, those attributes... Uh, that Hashem gives us. Some are more giving naturally and some are less giving naturally. Some are more sensitive. Some are more, uh, um, you know, need more tipuls. We're all different. But the question is, what do we do with it? If somebody has the midah of chesed, of giving, of kindness, then we could channel it into love of Hashem. Or we could channel it to loving things that we shouldn't be loving. We could be very giving. There are many people out there, there are many nations out there that are very giving, but not when it comes to certain recipients. Only certain recipients do they have it. Right, as we know, famous Gemara at the end of Masech Shabbos, right, Hi, man, debadim. Somebody who's born under the constellation of Madim, of Mars. So he could do anything he wants. But he'll be a very red personality. He, either he'll be a murderer, or Umna, or a doctor, or Tavcha, maybe a butcher, Ganva, a barber, Moala, maybe a Moel. Something to do with red. But it's up to the person. The personality can't change. Right? We know this by children too. We can't change children. We can just guide them based on who they are. Right, we have to educate them. You could have five children in a family with five different schools. Why? Because that's just what the child needs. So we have to take what a Kaddish Baruch Hu gives us and work with it. Suggest Rev Zevin. Heaviness of heart, which he identifies also with stubbornness. Kshe'oref. Kshe'oref isn't positive or negative inherently. It's a midah. And what do we do with it? And Am Yisrael sometimes in history were kshe'oref l'ra. And we were too stubborn to listen to Moshe Reinu. 
and we were too stubborn and we listened to the Miraglim. And then after Moshe had told us not to go up, we were too stubborn and we went up with the Mafilim and we got punished for it. But you know what? Generally throughout history, Kshay Oref worked to our benefit. And no matter what's happened to us throughout the ages, we stubbornly connected and, and remained connected to HaKadosh Baruch That's what a Kshay Oref nation, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, but we're still here. And we're still doing the mitzvos. And we're still serving him, capital H. Am Kshay Yisrael, Throughout everything, we say so many times in davening. Paro also had that mid of Oref. Right? Paro is osios. Flip around the letters. Haoref. But what? How did he use it? So Hashem hardened his heart. Says of Zeb, what does that mean? It doesn't mean hardened his heart in order not to believe. That was his mida. He was Kshayoref. He had a hard heart. The question is, how was he going to channel that? So again, it says right here, Hashem hardened, go apparel because, but that's the ambiguous key. Even Chazal say, key can mean many different things. Four different, uh, pshatim of what key means. How do you mean to read the first pasuk of the parsha? But it could be on a certain level, Kshayoref was just describing who Par was. That might have made it challenging for him. But it doesn't mean Hashem took away any of his Bechir. He chose. Belachain. So if that's true, says the Latar of Alamoadim, Ashelin Ishelif, Ma Ashmaso Shalparo, Makarish Brachu Baatmo Mejuikman is Libo, Ena Shaila Klau, Loshakarish Brachu Asa Shalo Yirtse, Lishaleach as Yisrael, Elechman is Libo Bechlau. Maybe it's even a good thing. Right? We have Kshay Oref. So he was leveling the playing field with us. You know, let's see. You know, I'm giving you Tsaris. What is that going to do for you? I'm, I give a Klai Yisrael a lot of Tsaris. Right? And what do they, you know, they act in a certain way. Right? We, 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 once we, we get focused on something, then a Jew doesn't let go. And a Jew focuses and a Jew goes to the, to the, uh, to the nth degree in serving, in serving a Kaddish Baruch Hu, right? Once he gets that, has that, um, in him. Okay, one thought to start, which brings us also to another thought at the beginning of the, of the Parsha. So Hashem says to Moshe to go to Paro. Why? Laman shi siyoso sa'ela bekirbo. Ulema'an. To saper bazne vincha uven vincha, and also to say, tell your children and grandchildren, Eis asher hisalalti b'mitzrayim, everything that occurred. Eis asher hisalalti, ves ososai asher samti bam. How do we translate? Eis asher hisalalti, onkelis, yasnisin diavadas b'mitzrayim. All the miracles. Doesn't say that word in the text, but that's how onkelis understands it. The miracles, that's ososai asher samti bam. Miracles and osos. What's the difference between a miracle and an os? Not for now. Interesting to think about. Vidatem ki'ani Hashem. And you will know that I am Hashem. Says the Dubna Magid, a Magid, a Drasha, a Mashal, in order to help understand a little deeper this Pasik. Pasik that says, in order to tell your children, your grandchildren, everything that I've done in Mitzrayim, all of these nisim that I've, that, that have occurred. Says the Dubna Magid, Adama Mavashela Ofe Machalim. You have a baker. You have a cook. Az Yeshla Havdil. There are two types of cooks that we could talk about. Yeshla Mavashela Ofe Latzmo Ulubnei Beso. Sometimes there's a parent who's making supper for the family. The Yeshla Mavashela Ofe Kadilim Karlachayim. And sometimes, you know, there's someone who does industrial and restaurant cooking. What's the Havdil? Right, if somebody, if a mother's cooking dinner for her children, how many choices are there going to be? Maybe not enough for the child. But the parent, is, this is what's for supper. This is it. You don't like it? Okay, so don't eat. But this is what's for supper. Whatever they like. If I'm at a restaurant, I can't just have one thing on the menu because I'm not going to get too many customers. I'll only get the people who like that one thing. Caterers make a lot of different delicacies because some people like this and some people like that and some people like this. 
And you have to realize that different people are, are, their taste palates are touched in different ways. And therefore the caterer, the mevashel, you know, has to, has to take that in mind. Says the Dubna Magid from Vilna, what was the purpose of the Makos? What was the purpose of the Makos? Was it just to punish Paro? Because if that was the case and the Mitzrayim, then you know what Hashem could have done? He could have done Dam ten times over. Maybe got worse each time. You didn't have to have an array. You didn't have to have such a, such a, uh, rainbow full of, of Makos. So many different Makos. The most, this, this parsha could be the most colorful parsha in all the Torah. You know, which child doesn't like, which child? Any of us just dream about, right? This is a time to, time of year to take out the Haggadahs. Don't bring them too close to the Shabbos table. To look at the picture books. Those Haggadah pictures, they'll bring it alive. And this is, you know, this, why not do it that way? Says the Dubna Magin. If all it was, was a tool to, in order to allow us to become free. Give Makas Dam ten times. Keep Svardaya going for six months. They would have, they wouldn't have lasted. But the point is, it's not just to, it's not just, it wasn't just a tool and a mechanism to free the Jews. It was an educational event for the Mitzrayim and for us. And you know, we're, we're inspired by different things. Different things inspire, different events inspire different people. Hashem needs a potpourri of Makos in order to connect to each Egyptian and each Jew. What does it say in the Pasuk? For that generation, for the future generations. Not everybody's heart's the same. And that's what the Pasuk says. You know why there's so many? Because you're going to tell your children and your grandchildren. People connect to different events and different miracles. Well, we mentioned this in the past, even on the mitzvah level. I remember the last Mishnah, Meseches Makos. Rabbi Hanani Barakasha Omer, the most famous thing he ever said, Kodesh wanted to be Mezaka Am Yisrael, therefore he gave us a lot of Torah mitzvahs. Ask all the Mepharshim. Ask the Rambam. Ask the Maharal. Ask all the Mepharshim. Why is it such a schus to have so many mitzvahs? You want to give us a schus? Give us 15 mitzvahs. 613? That's a, that's a schus? It's so hard. It's so challenging. 365 Losa That's a schus? So the Maharal says, the more challenging, strict teacher is always better for the student. Right, you push him more, and you know, even though you might not enjoy it at the time. But the Rambam gives a different shot. No, the Rambam says, we're going to get our Olam Haba by doing a mitzvah bishlemusa perfectly. And how many of us could say we ever did a mitzvah perfectly? With perfect kavana, with perfect everything, perfect maizim. Says the Rambam, Every one of us has to do all the mitzvahs. But there are certain mitzvahs that connect to us more than other mitzvahs. There are certain mitzvahs that, that those are our mitzvahs. There are Yom Kippur Jews and there are Seder night Jews. And there are Tzedakah Jews. And there are Chazen Jews. And there are whatever they are. And there are you know, whatever, we plug it in. Hashavas Aveda Jews. Hachnasas Archim Jews. Again, we have to do all of them, but there are certain mitzvahs that different Jews excel in. Says the Rambam, Hashem gave us so many mitzvahs, so there's at least one, two, a few, that each Jew could connect to, because every Jew is different. Right? They're all different. So Hashem gives us so many, because there's, there's a mitzvah for each of us to connect to. Of course, we have to do all of them. 
But there are certain mitzvahs that we can all connect to so the Rambam says that on the mitzvah level, that's the Rambam in the Pirish Mishnayis, at the end of Mesech is Makos. So here it is on the nace level. On the event level, there are so many. Dam, Svardei, Akinim, right? We usually go around the Shabbos table, you know, which is the Makkah that was the, you think was the worst? Which one would you not want to have been in? Or one could ask the question, which one would you like to have seen the most? Right? All these are conversational tools to talk about the you see, one could see which one do we connect to, which one is uh, is something that that goes to my goes to my neshama. Okay, moving right along. There's a thought that we mentioned four or five years ago, but we didn't start it with the medrash. So this year we'll start it with the medrash, and then we'll see the words of Rabbi Yaakov again. Medrash Tanhuma, I I only gave you a piece of it in source number three. Um, I encourage. Anyone who has a Tanchum at home to look at the whole Medrash, the Medrash goes through each of the Makos. Why this Makkah? Why do the Mitzrayim deserve to have this Makkah done to them? And what was the purpose of the Makkah? And what other purposes did it fulfill? It's just two pages in the Medrash Tanchuma. So all the way at the end of that piece, we get to Makas Choshech. What was the purpose of Makas Choshech? Darkness. And we discussed in the past, the difference between the darkness of Makas Choshech and the darkness of night, right? The darkness being not just the Ramban, not just an absence of light, but a positive creation of darkness, like a fog. The Eben Ezra writes, like the fog that there is out in the Okeanus. You know, when you're out on a boat, that's the type of Choshech that it, uh, that it was. Okay. But says the Tanchuma. Source three. Choshech Lama. Yisbarach Shemo, Shalmelech Malchei Amlachem HaKadosh Baruch HaKadosh Baruch Hu She'ein L'fanav Masu Panim. Hashem does not show favoritism. V'hu choker lev u'bochen klayos. And he sees inside every Jew. And we know part of this medrash already from Rashi. L'fisha hayu b'Yisrael poshin. There were Jews who were sinners. Right, we know in Makas Choshech, a large percentage of the Jews did not make it out of Makas Choshech. Why? So Rashi says... They were chotim. What were they chotim in? Says the Medrash. Shahayolahem <laughs> patronim. Right, Rashi quotes, really not so much in Choshech, but we know this Rashi from next week's parsha from Vachamushim. Right, Rashi quotes Vachamushim, the beginning of next week's parsha, that Echon Michamisha Yatsuvar Bachalaka Mesu Bishloshimeafela. Rashi quotes that at the beginning of Parsha Bishalah. Four fifths, four fifths of Am Yisrael died in Machas Choshech. Unbelievable to think about, as we'll see as in a minute. But wh- why? Says the Medrash Tanchuma, Shahayolahem patronim min ha-Mitzriyim. They had connections in Egypt. They were comfortable in Egypt. Vahayolahem sham kavod v'osher. Kavod v'osher. You know, we don't really hear about this part of the Egyptian exile. You know, maybe it was even imagined kavod and osher. Right? Only Shaven Levi didn't work. What kind of covenant and Osher did the slaves have? They imagined they had covenant and Osher and connections. They didn't want to leave. They were comfortable. They were happy where they were. If I just kill them in public, it caused them to die. And it seems like from the Medrash that not only did they not want to go out, they would have prevented other part, other Jews and, and, and sabotaged the whole plan. Hashem had to get rid of them. So, if I do this in public, Yom Ram Mitzrayim, Kashem Shavar Aleinu, Kachavar Aleinu, right, it'll be a terrible chil Hashem. L'fichach hevi al Mitzrayim, Esach Choshech Shlosha Choshech was to remove the Jews that were comfortable in Egypt. The Jews that didn't want to go out, didn't want to leave. That's pretty amazing. In Mitzrayim, and what about the Jews that didn't have connections? And what about the fact that Hashem promised to Avraham, to Yitzchak, and to Yaakov that there's a place where Jews are supposed to go? And that's the goal and the destiny of this people that right now you're just in a Korah Barzel? We're happy here. We're comfortable here. Kodesh Baruch Hu did not take that lightly. Connected to that, Rabbi Yaakov points out, right, just, just, just right before Rabbi Yaakov, imagine the state, the mentality that the survivors had as they left Mitzrayim. 
80% of the Jewish people were just killed. Died. Besides, Makas Becharos, but... And they went out of Mitzrayim. What were they thinking? What were they thinking? It must have been challenging. It must have been challenging what they were thinking. Says Rabbi Yaakov. Hine, after quoting the Rashi <coughs> from next week's parsha. Af, yeah, you're right. The Jews were in all tzaddikim. What about the one fifth? Were they great tzaddikim? Remember the angels? Halalo of the Avadazara, Valalo of the Avadazara. Why do they deserve? The Malachim couldn't see a difference. What's the difference? Why did four fifths die and not the one fifth if they were all of the Avadazara? As we said before, Yaakov said it must be those four-fifths wanted to prevent the whole story, the whole Jewish history. It was the time of Geula, and they were saying, no, it's not the time of Geula. Look where Yaakov suggests, amazing. They all knew the Brisbane of Asarim 400 years, and they knew it's only been 210. Hey, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. Right? They didn't know the redu remez. According to the Gemara, right? Some B'nai Ephraim went out early and they didn't, and they didn't make it. But Moshe Rabbeinu was telling them. And the Zakanim were telling them, no, we're not going. It's not time yet. There has not been any sign that I believe it. It's been eight makos already. Eight Makos. Forget that the Egyptians didn't believe. What about the four-fifths of Am Yisrael? Right, we discussed last week, I think, in the Parsha Shir. Miracles don't create Emunah. Right, last week, right? We, we, Hashem has to still say, and focus! And focus! There were eight miracles, but if somebody wants to convince themselves of something, if somebody wants to believe that it's not time to go to Eretz Yisrael then you can see the greatest miracles in the world and a person's not going to want to go to Eretz Yisrael. Says Rabbi Yaakov. Hashem knows that even though they're all the Zara, in a few weeks, in seven weeks, they will be Rawi to be Makabel on Harsinai and say Nasev and Ishbo. The Malachim couldn't even be Margish this. So that's why Kodesh Baruch did it. But now Rabbi Yaakov gets into what we said before. Imagine, and says Rabbi Yaakov, for our generation, line 6, What was their feeling? Did the, the one-fifth know why the four-fifths died? They didn't know. They didn't know the difference. They just saw that so many Jews died. What were they thinking? A depressing mourning. What is Hashem doing to us? You call this Geula? Do we call this redemption? And what's the answer? The answer is Hashem has His has His plan, which we don't fully understand. And says Rabbi Yaakov, living after the generation of the Shoah, living in the generation after the Shoah, we have to have the same attitude of, we don't know why, but, right, tragedies before Geula. Four-fifths died, says Rabbi Yaakov, there's a lot of parallels. A lot of parallels. You know, the signs of Geula, right, Rabbi Abba in Sanhedrin, we mentioned many times. What is it? Right? That there's no greater kates. The Navi Yeshayo says. The trees are blossoming. The flowers. The land didn't blossom. Right? We're in Shvat now. We have to appreciate the trees and the groves and the blossoms. Right? For 2,000 years, the land didn't produce. Right? Mark Twain, 1800s, the most barren land. And it's come alive from the 1850s, 1860s, all of a sudden. Says Rabbi Yaakov, Gula doesn't mean there are no tragedies. Gula means that there's a process, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge of, pushing, but we have to recognize that we have to try to be part of the process. And we have to try to allow the process to occur and be part of it. And again, not to be like those people, like the Medrash Tanchuma, 
Right? No, we're, we're comfortable here. We're comfortable here. We have to recognize where every Jew has to be and where every Jew should dream of being. Okay. Moving right along. Yud Beis Gimel. Parak Yud Beis, if you know, Chodesh Zelachem, Rashi says maybe it's the beginning of the Torah. It should have been the beginning of the Torah. Chodesh Zelachem, first Rashi, Allah Torah. But we know this is the Parak about Carbon Pesach. And Pesach, and Matzah. Let's talk a little bit about Karim Pesach. We had an entire Shabbos Haggadah Drasha a number of years ago about this topic. But um, in short, we'll see it this year through the eyes of the Drash David. In source number five. Start off with the Medrash also that has come up. The Medrash in Shmos Rabbah. The Pasuk in Tehillim. My heart should be complete in your Chukim. And the Medrash puts together two mitzvahs that are called Chukim. Chukas HaPesach, the Chukas Para Aduma. Carbon Pesach and Para Aduma. Lama Shashneim Domen Zelazeh, Bazen Emar Zos Chukas HaPesach, Bazen Emar Zos Chukas HaTorah. What is the connection between Carbon Pesach and Para Aduma? What's the parallel between them? What's the parallel? So we mentioned in past years the beautiful thought from Rav Asher Weiss, they're opposites. Carbon Pesach is all about questions. Pesach is all about questions. There's no other holiday that we ask so many questions. Paraduma is all about no questions, no understanding. And a Jew has to always live by the motto and know when is it, when is there a time to ask questions and when there's a time not to ask questions. Right? Avram Avinu knew there's a time to ask questions, but only after he did the Akedah. Right? After, not before. So there's times to ask and there's times not to ask. There's times that we'll merit an answer and times not. That was one shot. But the Drash Dravi goes in a different direction. Asking a number of important questions and uniquenesses of carbon Pesach. As we know, this is the only carbon that every Jew has to eat a kazayas of. Every Jew has to be nimne. Kol yachid v'yachid It's the only carbon like that. Not only do I have to eat, I have to be appointed. I have to be part of a group, of a chabura before shechita. I'm not allowed to leave my house. I have to stay put. It's all about me as a yachid. But on the other hand, it's the only carbon that every single Jew takes part in. Altogether. Okay, women, we're not getting into that right now. But everybody does it at the same time. Not everybody brings a carbon chatas at the same time. Sometimes you have one carbon on behalf of everybody, the carbon, tar, carbon tumid. But when else does every Jew be part of a car, have the carbon, but everybody has to do it. It's the busiest day of the year in the base of Migdash, Erev Pesach. And if it was Shabbos, it's even busier. Right? It's, it's, it's the busiest day of the year. So, says the, says the Drash David. So, what is this? Is it a carbon about the Yachid? Is it a carbon about the Sibor? It's a little of both. Let's turn over for a minute. The Gufo. I mean, I mean, he quotes some other halachas that we're, we didn't uh, get into. Um, every Kaladat Yisrael Yasu or so. Next page. Isn't just about getting rid of Avodah What's the message? So without going into more details of the current Pesach, but if one analyzes and researches, so what is it? Will the true nature of the current Pesach stand up? Is it a carbon yachid? Is it a carbon sibor? Everyone takes part. It's a kudshe kalim, which most kache kalims are carbon yachid, shlamim, but on the other hand, every Jew does it, and every Jew has to do it, and everybody has to do it at the same time. And the Gemara calls it beknufya, everybody does it together. Suggest the Drash David, maybe that's the chok of carbon pesach. Chok means you have opposite aspects, opposite directions. Paraduma, mitara satameh, mitameh satahorim. Carbon pesach, it's about the yachid and it's about the seaboard. Bottom right. It's gufa this this problem, this contra- this inner contradiction. It's a carbon that each and every Jew. I'm sorry. Every every Jew is part of. Why is it 
is also opposite. Okay. So that, uh, a number of Mepharshim say in Lamdis, but he's saying it in Drush. Right? It's a carbon yachid and a carbon sibor. Both elements, and that's the chok. Opposite elements. But now he just adds one beautiful thought. And why is it? And why is this carbon Pesach? Why does it need to have both? Because when we went out of Mitzrayim, it was a double yitzia. Jews individually went out, and Am Yisrael as a nation went out. So we needed a carbon. The first carbon that we brought, in the Rabbah, in Hilchas Karbanos, in Sefer Karbanos, the Rabbah talks all about Karbanos, what's the first halachas that he talks about? Carbon Pesach. That's not just a historical first, but it's a conceptual first. It somehow encompasses many types of Karbanos. Okay, we can't get into it right now. There's an Ola element and a Chatos element also. But says, at least Yochid versus Sibur, says the Drash David, Shemovat HaAtzal HaShoyes HaBamakas Bechoros, so B'Tiyas Mitzrayim, L'Kol Yochid V'Yochid, B'Fnei Atzmo, Ha'Yisa B'Kaka Matzal HaLa'am Yisrael B'Chlaluso. L'Fichach Yish B'Shar Shol Shokarben Zez Siba L'Kavo Hain Kakarben Yochid V'Hain Kakarben Tzibur. Hain Kakarben Yochid V'Hain Kakarben a little of, a little of both. And then he even adds uh, something that some Achronim point out based on a based on a pasuk, a medrash that if Bnei Yisrael only had one carbon, what if there's only one animal? You could bring it as carbon Pesach on behalf of everybody. How does that work? You have to. It's, it's ma'akev to eat the carbon Pesach. How can the medrash say? How is that? The answer is the tzad of carbon yachid. They can't be yotze. But the Tzad of Karpin Sibur, that it's on behalf of everybody. And you at least have that element. You have that element. And that's the Yisod, and that is, as he continues, something that we know from many different, many different sources. And that is, in life, we are both Yechidim, as Avde Hashem, and we are part of the Klal. And they're both crucial. Right? We say, Zichro, in, in Yalav Yavo, we just had Rosh Chodesh. Zichro Neinu, we say, and then two line, a line later, we say, Zichron Kalamcha Beis Yisrael. Zichroneinu, it's each and every Jew individually, and Zichron Kalamcha Beis Yisrael, as a unit. Very often in davening, we have the double Lashon. Because that's how we have to see ourselves. Iker avodaso v'tafkido shalam Yisrael, nasa b'shnei ofanim, mitzad echad yeshna matarat tach l'zachas l'kulam. We all have the same goal. Why are we here in life? To serve Hashem. That's the goal. All of the nation, we have the same goal. To be part of that circle, that magical circle that the Gemara at the end of Tainus describes, that we're all around the Kaddish Baruch Hu, Hashem's in the middle, we're pointing to Hashem, Zeh Hashem, Kivinulo, where we're all on that circle. And we all have the same midpoint of service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu on the Kaddish Shmo Ba'olam, Shavim, Ulam but at the same time, every point on the circle has a different perspective of seeing the center. Nobody sees the center from the same same place. Right? Where you are makes a big difference. Right? That's the whole halacha. Lahavdel, the halacha of, of an avel changing their, their the place where they sit in shul for Yud Beis Chodesh. Why is that? Because they should feel different. When somebody's in shul, not in their, that's the idea of Bakam Kavua, it's a comfort level. When you're in a different space, you're on the other side of the shul, or you walk in, you feel like, what's going on here? It's like, it's weird. It's different. It's it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. I'm not used to it because I have a different perspective. I'm seeing the same thing. I'm in shul. I I, I the same chazin, the same balkare, but I'm sitting somewhere else. I have a different perspective. Same thing on that circle. We all have our own perspective of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Right, and that's what he says. It's the yachad is the zebra. That's the carbon pesach. That's the carbon pesach. Oh, he quotes it. You know, I saw it somewhere. Rikiv Eger at the end. He quotes on the next page. Quotes from Rikiv Eger. Right, the circle, and everybody has their own, their own, uh, vision, and their own hashkafa on the, uh, on the circle. He even quotes in the bottom, he quotes from Rav Sternbach in the Tamadas, in a footnote in source number eight, uh, I'm not sure if we've quoted this in the past, uh, Al Pidrush, the Tfil and Shoyad and the Tfil and Shorosh. Tfil and Shorosh, we know, what's the difference between the two? Tfil and Shoyad is one cloth, one bias. All four parashios of Tfil and are written on one cloth. While the Tfil and Shorosh, four different sections. Four different klaf and four different batim. What's the message? 
The Yad, Tilnsho Yad is about Maisim. That's the symbol of Yad. And the Tilnsho Rosh is the symbol of Machshava. The symbol of thoughts, of messages. Right? We say it in the morning before we put on a tefillin. Right? This is L'Shabed Machshavos Libo and the, so the arm is action and the head is thought. When it comes to action, all Jews are the same. Same mitzvahs. We have the same chiyuvim. It's all one bias. It's all one cloth. And that's the message. When it comes to what's in every mitzvah, the machshavas behind the mitzvah, how it connects us to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, all the panemius, the machshavas, then we're all, it's four different buttons. Because every Jew has their own experience in the Maisa mitzvah. The Maisa mitzvah is exactly the same. The same lulav that Moshe Rabbeinu had to shake, we have to shake. The same, every mitzvah. <coughs> I was going to say tefillin, but we don't know whether he wore Rashi tefillin or Rabbeinu Tan tefillin. Or, but either way, the same mitzvahs uh, apply, and therefore it's the yachid, and it's the sibur, and that's the message of Karban Pesach. Okay, moving right along. So we have Yitzhiyas Mitzray. What an amazing event. If you were Moshe Rabbeinu, you were Moshe Rabbeinu, and you had to give a pep talk. What would you talk about? You have all the Jews ready. We're about to go out. What would be the topic of conversation? Moshe Rabbeinu at the end of Parak Yudbeis, after he discusses Korban Pesach, which is and Pesach, which is all what they have to do now. That's that's present obligations. But then, what what's going to be the the message? What's going to be the message? So the one might say, you're going to talk about freedom. You're going to talk about what it is to be a Ben-Choran. Well, we tell you about freedom and free time. Moshe doesn't talk about that. Maybe he'll focus on Eretz Yisrael. That's the goal, the destiny. See, he mentions that, but that's also not the focus. That's not what comes up over and over again in Moshe Rabbeinu's talks and pep talks to Am Yisrael. There's a phrase that comes up over and over again, and we know it, and we're familiar with it. Because it's a theme whenever Pesach comes up. Right, what is it? Vahaya, Perak Yudbeis Pasach and this is pointed out by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs in Lessons in Leadership in Source Number 9, where he talks about what's the lesson in leadership that we learn from Moshe Rabbeinu in this parsha. He talks about, well, let's just read it before we get to the answer. He says, I often ask an audience to perform a thought experiment. Imagine you're the leader of a people that has suffered exile for more than two centuries. Now, after a series of miracles, it's about to go free. You assemble them and rise to address them. They're waiting for your words. A defining moment. What will you say? So, in Rabbi Sachs' style, he quotes ten different people, Abraham Lincoln and, uh, and others. You know, um, do you focus on freedom? Do you focus on a destiny? What did Moshe Rabbeinu focus on? When you come to the land, yes, over and over again, Moshe Rabbeinu tells them to be teachers and to educate and to pass this message on to the next generation. Back to Rabbi Sachs. If you examine the text in Parsha's bow, you'll see that three times he reverts to the same theme, children, education, and the distant future. Not what is right here, but later on down. It is one of the most counterintuitive acts in the history of leadership. Moshe does not speak about today or tomorrow. He speaks about the distant future and the duty of parents to educate their children. So Jews, as Rabbi Sachs says, and he writes this in his other books as well, Jews become the only people in history to predicate their very survival on education. The most sacred duty of parents was to teach their children. Right? We know Jews are not going to move to a community. What's the first thing they look for? The school system. That's what we look for. It's all about our kids. Passover itself becomes an ongoing seminar in the handing on, the me- uh, on, hand- in the handing on, on of memory. Judaism became the religion whose heroes were teachers and whose passions were studying the life of the mind. And here's the line. The Mesopotamians built ziggurats, the Egyptians built pyramids, the Greeks built Parthenons, Rome is the Colosseum, and the Jews built schools. Because the pyramids are still here, but the Egyptians are not. If schools are still here, then Jews are still here. Because that's what we're about. We're about ideas. We're about passing on the message. Top right, Moshe's, Moshe's insight was profound. 
He knew that you cannot change the world by externalities alone. You can't just build something. You have to build the mind. And you have to shape the mind. There is only one way to change the world, and that is through education. Children must be taught the importance of justice, righteousness, kindness, compassion, freedom. Right? A lesson that most cultures still have not learned after more than 3,000 years. The Hulu. And he turns and he continues. Turn over the page for a minute. Quotes a couple of other leaders. Quotes a Kennedy. And he talks about towards the end. If you want to be a great leader in any field, prime minister to parent, it's essential to think long term. Never choose the easy option because it's simple or fast or yields immediate satisfaction. Right? Long term. And remember, it's all about education and schools. And Moshe's lesson, 33 centuries old, is still compelling today. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu teaches us. And that's why so often, at the beginning of the parsha, right, right, it's all over whenever the Torah talks about it. Right? The Dalibanim, for four different sukim, all about Pesach. Because it's all about the beginning of our religion. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu feels is the, is the need. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the end of the parsha. Once we mentioned Tefillin, Tefillin is in this week's parsha. Uh, good. By the way, this is, we should acknowledge it, this is the first parsha with a lot of mitzvos. Right? We started back in Bracious a couple of months ago, so now we're starting. Now we're starting. Okay, we had three throughout Bracious, and now we're starting. Bo, Bishalach, we get one. But then Yisro, Mishpatim, and then we have a few. And then we, we get a uh, tremendous amount in Vayikra, of course, by Midbar and Zvar. Uh, good. So we have Tefillin. So the Parsha, one of the four Parshas of Tefillin, Kadesh Li Kol Bachar. So how does it start? Sanctify the Bachar. Kadesh Li Kol Bachar. Petra Kol Recham Evrei Yisrael Ba'adam Vayimeim Lihu. Sanctify the Bachar to me. And then all of a sudden, we have a whole review of Jewish history. Nothing about the Bachar. All the way, 15 psukim later, we get back to it. What's the message of this first Pasuk? We're not going to talk about Bechor for another 15 psukim. Why does Pasuk Beis have to mention it? Question one. A further question asked in Itziv is, what does it mean, Kadeshli called Bechor? Make every Bechor sanctified to me. I know how to sanctify an animal. I say it's kadosh. Right? Even a bechor animal. You know, I treat it with kadusha. But how do you sanctify a person? Not to bow down to it. So what was Hashem commanding Moshe to do with the firstborns? Kadosh li kol bechor. Petar kol rechem. Ba'adam uva lihu. Okay, they're, they're, and if they're already kadosh because they owe a debt to Hashem, because of Achaz Bacharos, then it's automatic. So what's what's the message? So says the Nitziv. We're going to do the first part of the Nitziv. The Nitziv is really on every Pusik from here to the end of the Parsha. So we're just going to do the Nitziv's introduction to what's going on. To all those Tzukim and those who want to uh, read more and analyze more can feel free. The Nitziv is bothered by the language of Kadesh Li on the top right. Lashon Kadesh Enu Muvan. Hineni Mekadesh Miboy. It should say, I have sanctified. Because Hashem could sanctify based on an act, so we owe. But what do you mean, sanctify? Kadeshli. Right? So, Hashem sanctified them, so what's Moshe to do? Now that we know B'nai Yisrael have just gone out, Hainu, we did not go out as a bunch, millions of individuals, as we just said. We didn't just go out as Yechidim, as we were just talking about. They translate Tzivosam, right, in their groups. We all had one Tachlis. But says the Nitziv, let's talk about that for a moment. Every group of people needs 
three ingredients, as he's going to say, in order to be strong against the outside forces that might try to bring its destruction. We have to be able to fight. So what does a regular nation have? And how does that parallel to what's here? Line 29. What does an, a- an average nation, let's say, have? Number one, Amlucha v'tagalav, the king, the malchus. Loyalty to a leader, to a god, to a being. I shouldn't say god, that'll be the nimshal. Both ways. Number one, you need a leader who cares about the people and the people care about him. Number one. Number two, Rashi atzava You need government, you need officers in the army, you need captains in order to be loyal to the king, to carry out his, and protection, protect his will, protect the society. The king doesn't go all around. The king doesn't go out and fight the wars. You need officers to be leaders of everyone else. Number two. And number three, 43, you need weapons. So you have the leader, you have the officers, and you have the weaponry. Says the Hemikdavar, it's the same thing in Ruchnius. Number one, we have our connection to Akadish Baruchu. That was number one that was needed. The Melech and the loyalty of the Melech to us and us to the king. Number one, Kabbalah's Malchus Shamayim. Lish Tabe Lavodasa. Ritzoni is Barach. Right, and that's why this, the moment that started was right now. Zachir is Yisrael Mitzrayim. Will be Moser Nefesh. So number one is the connection to Akadish Baruch Number two are the officers, the leaders that protect, that teach, and that's the Bechor. That's the Bechor. They're supposed to be this group of people to protect the values, the spiritual values of this group. Turning the page. You're right, it wasn't as needed in the Midbar because we had the Mon and we had Moshe Rabbeinu. But as we go into Eretz Yisrael, you know, the plan was to go in in 11 days. They were going to be the leaders, the firstborns. And of course, the weapons, the clay Zion is the Torah. That's our weaponry, the Cherev Shel Yisrael, as the Nitziv says, I've wrote, I've written off it. So what is Hashem telling Moshe Rabbeinu? Not that I have sanctified them. They're now roi, but I need you to teach them. I need you to make them roi, to be these leaders, to be these officers that are loyal to me. And they have to know more than the average person. right? A captain and a general has to know a lot more about the weapons than the private. More experienced. So everybody has to learn Torah, says the Nitziv. The Nitziv always connects it back to Torah. right? It's, everybody still Torah, so they have to know more. And they have to be proficient. That's Kadesh. Sanctify them. Tell them. They have to, obviously the Torah wasn't given yet, but in terms of the spirituality, whatever the content was, they had to be Mikudash in it in order to be able to lead. And that's why you have all of these Psukim here that review you see Mitzrayim until you get back to the firstborns. But I'm going to give that to you, but the Nitziv goes through each and every one of these Psukim that talk about different messages that the firstborns needed to inculcate in themselves and then be mashpia on Am Yisrael in order to be those to be those leaders. So that's the Bechar. Again, this is all pre-Cheta Egel when it was switched over to the Levium, but that's, you know, obviously the, the charge that the Levium had, you know, not having a Chalik and Eretz Yisrael, they were going to be our, our teachers. Okay, one final point for the evening. In Parakut Gimel, now we have again towards the end of the Parsha, We have, and again, it repeats this passage a number of times, but here it is. Shivas Yamim Tocham Matzos Yamashikach Lashem, Vapesach, Matzos Yachel Eshivas Hayamim, Valerel Chachamates, Valerel Chasar, etc. The Azayim Matar of Zoroskin picks up on one letter in the Pasik. Eat Matzah Eshivas Hayamim. The seven days. So what's the? It should be Shivas Yamim for seven days. What do you mean the seven days? Right, so you might say it means the seven days that I've been speaking about. 
you know, about Pesach, so those seven days. But he has a different idea about this Hei HaYediyah, which gives us a whole new insight into Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, which is what we're talking about and laning this week. Ulainis Kavein Shiva Yimei Breshis. Shiva Yimei Breshis. Ukinegdam Zayin Yimei HaPesach. And that's parallel. Shaharei Miyasiyas Mitzrayim Maschal Olam Chadash. There's a new Bria by Yasiyas Mitzrayim. It's a new Bria. Right? The world is starting over, so to speak. Maybe this is another deeper idea about Rashi, right? The world, where the Torah should have started with the Chodesh Zalachem. That's the parallel to Misebracious. Not just about the first mitzvah, but in the parallel. But you see, Mitzrayim is a new world. Olam Shel Torah, Shenivna Alarisas Olam Shel Tohu, Shepashat Azarega, Batkufash Alashchasa Shonos. So many destructions that were brought to the world. Spiritual destructions. And Akadosh Baruch Hu needed the Torah to be given. This is the start of the process of the world existing with the Torah. This is my sabratius. So Pesach is seven days because it's my sabratius again. And it's those seven days. And maybe, maybe again, you have to work it out, right? The question of why Pesach is called Shabbos, right? That's the first day of Pesach, and this is the whole Pesach. But maybe the idea of Pesach being like, it should be the last day of Pesach is like Shabbos. But there's something there. There's something there. But then the Zion Torah says, Shemi Shivas Yimei Breshis Eila Ein Al Yehudi Lech Al Masha Torah Tatir. Again, it's to emphasize that it's limited. It's limited in terms of the halachas. A Jew can't do whatever he wants. He doesn't say it, but I might add, maybe, you know, Pesach has a lot of halachas, but what we focus on is we have limitations in what we eat. Maybe that's somehow connected to the Tikkun of Eitz Hadas. Right? The first sin, the destruction of the first world, the world without Torah, started with an eating issue. So part of that is is made made better. The tikkun is is by eating, and he says maybe even that's alluded to in what the Rokeach says. Ha'ochel pesach b'matzah kiel chasa nasa shutaf la'kadosh baruch ha'b'maisa brachus. If I eat matzah, I'm being a shutaf for the Hashem b'maisa brachus. Maha kesher between matzah and maisa brachus. But according to this, matzos yachel eshivas hayomim. Because this is another maisa brachus. This is another seven days. We start again. So we started, Maisa Bracious back in Bracious, so now we start again in Parsha's bow. We have Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. We should recognize the gift of the new world that we live in because the world pre and post Torah is a very different world. Remember that Gemara in Chulun and Davzayin where Pinchas ben Yair was walking with his donkey and, and uh, he does Kriyas Yamsuf. He comes to the river Ganai, split for me, and the river doesn't want to. He says, split for me, I'm going to dry you up. It splits. Then he split for my, this, my uh, partner who's carrying matzah, a grain for matzah, split. Split three times. Why was it so easy for, for my Moshe Rabbeinu, Nachshu to go into his neck? And here it was easy, says the Rechaim HaKadosh. This was before Maimon Arsina, this was after Maimon Arsina. Once there's the Torah, there are different, different worlds. It's easier for a tzaddik to do Kriyas Yamsa for the Koach HaTorah, says the Arachayim, on next week's Parsha. So we have to realize it's a new world, so this week we're laning the Kriyas HaTorah, Yitzhak Mitzrayim, is about a new Maisa Bracious, and we have to recognize it and appreciate it and, Be'ez Hashem, get the most out of the experience. Okay, we'll stop here.